Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Kulabali. Ooh. Ah, I want to know, he's from Senegal. (laughs) This is Tim Sherwood. The Villa Podcast win ratio is second to none. The good news for Manchester United fans is that reports all over the shop today are that the Glazer family are willing to sell I don't know if it's a minority of the club which seems to be <laughs> reports a minority of the club but we're also hearing that they will accept a bid for 6 million for the entirety of their shares in the club the bad news for Manchester United fans is that it means they probably can't protest and boycott the Liverpool game on Monday night <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like with every with every uh, silver lining in that cloud, there is indeed a cloud, and there's going to be raindrops pouring over Old Trafford as they pile themselves in to watch them play against Liverpool. Liverpool team who haven't won yet, so will be coming with <laughs> even more motivation than they probably needed going into Manchester United. Uh, I think they all wanted an end to this Glazer saga. I think we all probably did as well. I mean, I look at it cynically, and I know I've probably lost a lot of followers on my Manchester United timeline just quietly. You know, just unfollow me or getting really annoyed at me for not understanding, not understanding what the Glazers are doing to the club. I look at it a bit more in terms of I don't think anybody will uh, anybody will argue with what they think uh, the Glazers are doing to the club and, and how much they're leeching off the club and how that's bad in the long run. I don't think anybody will really take that on, and you know, probably shouldn't either. But I think my question is always like, how is this directly impacting? What's happening on the pitch and what's hap- what's been happening is that they've been given more transfer budget than anybody else, and probably the argument that comes back there then is that they've appointed the wrong people to oversee these transfers. But you know, I think along the way we've seen big United voices talk about United getting closer and talk about United having a team that, for example, last season will finish ahead of Liverpool, and we've seen successful teams, probably their most successful ever team under the Glazers as well on the pitch so as big a parasites as they are as much as I can completely understand why United want United fans want to get rid of these guys I don't think it's it's always been directly showing their impact on the pitch like you can't 
you can't watch David De Gea concede two goals basically against Brentford, lose four 0 to Brentford, and then just point to Joe Glazer. I mean, whatever <laughs> Joe Glazer has done or not done, whatever about the mismanagement, they still have a team there that shouldn't be losing four 0 to Brentford. I mean, what's the solution there? Give David De Gea even more money. <laughs> he's, he's already the 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 biggest paid goalkeeper in the world on the entire planet. So like you know, in that sense, they've they've done everything asked of them. They've given the the money that everybody said he was he was owed. So yeah, a lot of shit happening. I think everybody, United fans and non-United fans, would be happy to maybe see the end of this. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're right that the excuses do sound a bit hollow and run a bit thin. I mean. They have definitely, without a doubt, made poor appointments in the football inside at the in the boardroom or at the business level. But you know, United fans wanted Louis Van Gaal. Like a lot of them wanted Jose. They wanted Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They wanted Ten Hag. You can go through the list of players that they signed as well. People were crying for them. You know, they wanted Di Maria, they wanted Paul, but they couldn't believe their luck whenever they were signing these players. You know, they were sending around tweets saying, Look at this team now. We've we've got seven or six seven or eight world-class players now, you know, what else could we want? Let's just go do it now. We've got Jose, who's a proven winner or whatever. Mm. You know, they've obviously, they're obviously being run badly because then it's not, it's not working. This is what the fans wanted and there's an absolute shit show and disjoint with the club whenever it does eventually come around to them playing on the pitch. But the fans have got what they wanted a lot and it has worked out really fucking badly. So for them to then blame the Glazers, who haven't a fucking clue about soccer, obviously, and are listening to their fans, which is a fucking problem. You know, there's a, there's a good bit of blame to be apportioned around here. Yeah, yeah. Jaden Sancho was supposed to be the final piece of the puzzle. You're begging for Sancho. Absolutely yeah. begging for him. The boasting they were doing about having Varane, you know, this, these are players that they wanted to sign and the Glazers got them for them. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten that bad now that I've seen yesterday. Man United fans not only buying Elon Musk saying he wants to buy Manchester United, but <laughs> willing him, begging him to do it. Like, it's, it's, it's the amount of high-profile Man United fans on social media that were then sending out separate tweets, not even just in reply to him, just save us, Elon Musk, as if, like, what... <laughs> What do they think this guy is? <laughs> do they think this guy's just a fairy godmother who's going to come along and give them all the money they want for transfers, which is what they get anyway. <laughs> but not leash off the club. Do they think this guy's gotten to where he is by not fucking over a few people along the way or by not having a bit of a business brain as well where he's going to look after himself? Yeah, which is what the exactly what the Glazers have done. They've run it like a business, so they're taking money out of it, which is what you would expect them to do, and exactly what you would expect Elon Musk to do as well. But maybe they're just hoping he's going to send Harry Maguire to the fucking moon, or you know, <laughs> re- reboot or recharge David Day somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a lot of Manchester United talk today. Uh, make no apologies for it. It is a special time. Well, in fairness, we've probably been saying it's a special case over the last three years for them. Uh, but it is interesting talking about them, and it is quite hot at the minute, so they might pop up a bit through here. And we're going to have fun talking about them. So you know, just indulge us. Right now, it is time for what's worse or what's better. What's better? Antonio Conte or Thomas Tuchel? <laughs> What's the, the reaction? Like Conte running up to his face, Tuchel running up past him. Then like Conte didn't realize Tuchel was running past him. Conte grabbing his hand, Tuchel keeping hold of his hand. I mean, what a what a bit of drama going on in this game? 
yeah, what's better from our point of view of watching this unfold, or you could say what's worse about these two both acting like fucking children? <laughs> <laughs> I I can understand it to be honest. Like the Tuchel, Tuchel's obviously annoyed because his his team battered Spurs, but his his centre halves are the only ones who could hit the ball in the general direction of the goals. We understood the fucking objective was to put the ball behind the end line, between the posts and the crossbar. That must have been fucking annoying because he must have told him that before. It must have come up in conversation. In reality, he should probably actually just be thankful that Lloris must have been having some sort of acid flashback or just, just, just James, or just had some sort of, he was pissed maybe and he was just having double vision. And he, that's the only way. He could see two Reese Jameses and had to guess which one was real. And as a marker of respect for how good he thinks James is, he assumed the one that wasn't hitting the ball straight at his fucking stomach was the illusion, was the fucking consequence of the double vision. I don't know. Hugo Lloris, once again, gives his manager plenty of fucking reason to be annoyed as well. That's obviously what was pissing off Conte. Because all the talk coming into this game as well was about Spurs. Like Spurs were brilliant in the running last year. Spurs have bought so well. Spurs will be the closest challengers. And they were just fucking overrun and outfought and outfought by Thomas Tuchel. And that must have been really fucking going for Antonio Conte as well. But the idea that Tuchel was getting annoyed by the first goal. I mean, Bentinker poking the ball away from Havertz isn't even in the same ballpark as being a foil. It's absolutely ridiculous suggesting that he foils him. He pokes the ball and he clips his ankles in and around the same time. Fuck that. The rules have changed slightly. That's mm. never going to be a foul. And it was about a minute and a half before the goal. And then he's crying about Richarlison. Richarlison, who's 13 yards out being offside. What the fuck is he? He's talking absolute shit. <laughs> the, the only place where he's got any sort of a reason to be annoyed is the most obvious red card you'll ever see is Romero just yanking Cucurella to the ground by his yeah. hair. But the fact that the referee, Anthony Taylor, and the VAR, Mike Dean, missed a hair pulling incident isn't exactly wildly shocking, is it? This came into a WhatsApp group of mine, actually. Um, and it was a very simple, very straightforward reply back to someone who was suggesting that they didn't think that was a red card. And uh, I think the question came back saying, you don't think someone being pulled by their hair to the ground is a red card? <laughs> 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 and that was it. Like, what else can you say, really? And uh, yeah, it was it was, it was a... I would say this is definitely a what's better rather than a what's worse because as childish as they are, as um, yeah, like it was all a bit a bit of nothing really, but it's just a bit of drama. You don't really see this much uh, happen in the Premier League, or not enough of it anyway. Like you know, the players all getting around afterwards, and the fans hang around in the stadium then just to see just to see nothing happen in the end. But but it just adds to it. Like imagine the fun we're going to have in the build up to this one as well now, and you know Antonio Conte's even writing on his Instagram under posts about him and Tuchel and stuff and it's like this is the stuff that we're here for I don't know it, it, it sparked Mark on Twitter to, to get in touch with us on the Villa podcast uh, he asked who's the toughest manager in the Premier League and you know I would have I would have thought about Antonio Conte really um, but then I think there's two standards I think Patrick Vieira has to be one of them and mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Jurgen Klopp is probably one as well because he's just that tall and I always just have that image of Arteta <laughs> <That's> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're seeing the one though. Like, yeah. It looks like Scrappy Doo, like you know, being being held off by a, a long arm and they just can't get at him and he's flailing around helplessly as 
as Klopp seems uh, it's, it seems to do for every manager, just stands over him, towers over the top of him. But he, I'd say he's a bit of a psychopath, to be honest. The the best thing about that was Mikel Arteta started sprinting towards Klopp, and as he got closer, he he just started veering so that the the fourth <laughs> official was yeah. between him and Klopp. That wasn't the quickest route to Klopp. That was the route that Mikel Arteta intentionally chose. <laughs> yeah, somebody hold me back. Who are you going for? Are you disagreeing with Klopp? No, no, I, I Klopp and Vieira are the obvious standouts. You're absolutely right. And the rest of them, there's a lot of fucking really sensitive, whinging little cunts in the managerial ranks as well. Two of them we've just talked about there. And there's and obviously a much higher profile one as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesse Marsh and uh, Ralph Hasenhuttle would be um, two of my candidates to be the, the least tough. But um, what's worse? Darwin Nunes' headbutt? Or Darwin Nunes protesting his headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> protesting his red card, sorry. I mean, what do they think was going to happen there? I mean, how long did they stay on the pitch? Milner very quickly like, pushed him almost in disappointment as well. Couldn't even look at him. Just like, get out of my sight. What, what have you done? How stupid are you? Joe Jim Anderson played really well. Just gave him a few little nibbles. A few push. Like, like the, the one that he reacted to was just a little push in the shoulder and... And this was this was seconds after Darwin Nunes headbutted him as well. You know, with the back of his head, the crown of his head, he could probably get away with it. But uh, geez, to turn around and do what he did as the referees coming towards him, uh, I don't know. People are saying he'll learn from that. I mean, like, did he have to learn that? Like, is this, did he get to this age and have to learn that this might not be a good idea in the <laughs> Premier League? <laughs> in the Premier League, as the referees look at him, and yeah, the first thing you'd say it's, it's undoubtedly a red card. But it's not like he really nuts a meter. I mean, he's getting off the ground, and Anderson is two inches taller. I think if they're if they're both approaching each other from you know two or three yards away, we probably just get the classic forehead on forehead dance. Two <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is the fucking crack with that bizarre mating ritual? That fucking <laughs> rutting that only takes place between professional footballers in the months of August to May, or between deer in September and October. Nobody is going to ride you because you're rubbing foreheads with another professional footballer. They're just there fucking rubbing foreheads together, thinking the 40,000 fans in the stand are getting turned on by this, just on the cusp of presenting themselves. You're a professional footballer, you'll be all right. You don't have to do this fucking dance. Get on with the game. <laughs> I remember uh, somebody elbowed me one time as I stood behind him in the face, and I didn't know what to do. Like, I think the head-to-head thing is why I'm remembering it. It's just, you know... Uh, a posturing sort of macho show where you're, you're pretending like you're tough and couldn't be less macho you know I mean? yeah this, this guy elbowed <laughs> me this guy elbowed me and me trying to be macho and, and posture i said to him ah oh, you good lad do that again and uh he just elbowed me again in the face <laughs> 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 did exactly what i asked and i didn't ask for a third time in fairness i just i just swallowed it i ate his elbow and took it <laughs> you know, and he was the he was the tougher one although i wasn't there to to elbow or fight but um yeah i didn't know i just didn't know how to get out of it and save face and i definitely didn't save face in that i tried some it didn't work uh <laughs> yeah the, the newness thing was weird like uh, you're sort of going down the route there uh, of the trolls that joe jim anderson was getting on his instagram who were calling him a diver calling him a fairy telling him he's acting a big man then he fell to the ground then when he got a touch, <laughs> a touch on his head were you, were you one of these people absolutely not that's why that's why i prefaced everything i said with it's definitely a red card but like it's not like he grabs him but i've seen way worse red cards like nunes should definitely be sent off but it's there's definitely there has definitely been worse red cards and he's just the most interesting thing about that was how fucking moronic it was for me yeah what's worse chelsea football club 
potentially spending 45 million on Anthony Gordon or <laughs> Deli Alley going to Besiktas at 26. <laughs> like this, yeah, this comes back. Like Tuchel after the game was, you know, he was all about integrity and respect. I mean, that's how he explained his grip of Conte's hand. But he's signing that diving little shit. <laughs> how, do, how do those two things fucking sit together? Like Tuchel did show he's a fucking child, and maybe that's a better explanation for why he's after Gordon. But you know, you know how I feel about wingers as well, though. And you're talking about Deli Ali being 26, but you know how I feel about wingers coming to prominence when they're 21. I mean, I, I'd have my suspicions about them. Let's put it that yeah. way. Like wingers should really be starting. They should really be starting their mid-career peak at 22 or 23, having made a big impact as a teenager, especially a winger like Gordon as well. That's so reliant on being nimble and quick mm. so I, like, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me madly if in five years time we're talking about Anthony Gordon saying what happened to him <laughs> remember him it's, it's interesting yeah I didn't think about it that way and I forgot about your propensity to, to write people off if they don't break through <laughs> by a certain age but I because I, initially I was looking at this being like right you know I don't mind Anthony Gordon. I, you know, no hate towards Anthony Gordon. Apart from he's diving on his hair, but <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing Villa link from the summer, and I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll have a bit of that. But yeah. um, Chelsea coming in for him, I was like, what? Well, what are Chelsea doing? What is the strategy here? Like, who, who are they? Who do they want to be? And they have, and they've just signed more. But they, they play wing backs. They have too mm. many number tens. There's so many people aren't going to get in their team. They sign Sterling, they don't have a striker, they're now looking for Anthony Gordon. It's like where where is this lad going to fit in? Like, you know, Chuck Wameka thought he was going to get more more game time at Chelsea than Aston Villa. I mean, like join the fucking queue. Like, and here's another one there that should do the same. Yeah, and that's that, that was the, a huge problem for Chelsea in the last game was the was the fact that the front two was Kai Havertz and, and Raheem Sterling. I mean, Anthony Gordon's not going to fucking fix that problem for them. It's bizarre that they're talking about spending 45 million on Anthony Gordon, 85 million on Fafana, and they're not just going to go, I mean, let's just save this 130 million and see if we can buy a player in a position we actually fucking need them for. Mm. Yeah. What And just on Deli Alley, I mean, I, I gave out a bit about Frank Lampard last week, but he's obviously a fan of the show. I mean, he's taken... He's taking my pronouncements about the fact that Deli Ali isn't a serious footballer, seriously, <laughs> and, and about about saying about people saying if only he could get back to the player he was. Like what? Three years ago, nobody is going back to three years ago. Forget about it. <laughs> like, we, we all want to go back to three years ago, but we're not yeah. doing it. Forget about Deli Ali three years ago. That player doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how often have we warned players who stop playing football? Like they, they never get it back. I haven't seen one who's just stopped and, and come back the same player yet. You know, Christian Eriksen's trying, but I don't think the number six role in Manchester United is going to do it for him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Deli Alley thing's sad considering how powerful he was, how good he was, threatening. Like he, was, he burst in the England team as well. He's one of the most exciting players, the way he could time his runs, you know, coming into the box. Jeez, he just has no energy, he's no clue, he just I don't know, no identity as a player. and and I have to say it, Jose Mourinho said it to him best when he spoke to him in that All or Nothing documentary. I'll just I'll just play a clip of it, actually, because he sat him down and he said, forget about me, forget about everybody else. Like, you, you need to do this for yourself because you're you're the one that's going to regret not reaching your own potential. Um, and Don't do it for me, do it for you. I'm 56 now and I can't believe how fast the time has gone and it's going to go faster for you. Here, here's that clip. I'm just I'm paraphrasing the whole thing before I actually play it, but... Uh, <laughs> Here it is, a bit of juicy at his best. Time flies, and I think one day 
I think you will regret if you don't reach what you can reach. I'm not expecting you to be the man of the match every game. I'm not expecting you to score goals every game. I want just to tell you that I think you will regret. You should demand more from you. Not me demanding more from you. Not me, nobody, you. I think you should demand more from you. Thank you, mate. Last one of what's worse, what's better, what's worse? Cristiano Ronaldo keeping a notebook of media stories? <laughs> or... Actually, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> this is definitely the worst thing Cristiano Ronaldo has done in his career. And I have to, I have to say it, like, I was already concerned. You know, just seeing the way he's, he's becoming. He sort of got glimpses of it last year. Oh, now he's 37. And I was thinking... What is this boy going to do in five years' time, and then for the next fifty years of his life, or whatever it is? Like, how is he going to handle not being one of the best footballers in the world? And he really has to start accepting that. Like, t- people talk about aging with grace. I mean, oh my god, like life is actually going to be pretty shit for him if he keeps going on this trajectory. And now he's thirty-seven. He's keeping a notebook of all the little stories that are being written about him in the media. Like, I'm sure. Go back if you go back three years, and we're not going back three years. <laughs> but he he never thought that he would reach this stage. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like we all want to go back three years, including one of the greatest footballers of all time. <laughs> but I, I think this is potentially the greatest story in the world. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo has a notebook <laughs> of of one hundred stories. Like that's fucking amazing. And sorry, the fact that it's only one hundred stories as well. That means he's being selective about what he's keeping. <laughs> how is he collected is he is he buying newspapers and cutting them out is it a scrapbook is he copying and pasting into a document and does he how does he have it ordered is it ordered under henry winter like you know what what sort of way has he got this listed it's fucking incredible just the the image of him coming back from training and just spreading out all the newspapers on his fucking living room floor sitting there with fucking little pieces of newspaper accidentally glued to his face ink all over his little fingers it's fucking incredible 37 years old, one of the greatest footballers, one of the greatest footballers of all time. Yeah. Gives a flying fuck about what your pals in the media think about him. <laughs> imagine like, imagine that scene that you've just painted there and then his wife comes out and says, you know, Cristiano, are you coming to bed? And it's like, that three years ago, that used to be him doing sit-ups, doing squats, doing extra training, you know, getting ready. <laughs> Not giving up, no, he's just there, like, reading over, like, try, trying to decipher whether Henry Winter is being critical or not. Like uh, <laughs> he said, he said, he said he's got five. I, th- I think five of them, five, five of the one hundred stories that he's kept note of in his notebook have been true, and the others have all been lies. And in a couple of weeks, when he gives his interview, we're all going to find out the truth. And like, I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about here. I mean, like oh, I think some United fans are happy that he's going to shed some light on the Glazer. Like, what, what what, does anybody want to hear? Like, there's nothing that Ronaldo's going to say that's going to make anybody feel any better or worse about the Glazer family. It'll make him feel better. It'll make him feel better about the fact that he probably feels like this is one of the first times he's failed. But it, what it definitely means is that Ronaldo's leaving Man United. That's what he's talking about in a couple of weeks' time. He'll be free to be able to, to yeah. slag them off. And that means Man United relying on Martial, who's only three modes in the last three years has been either injured shite 
or ripping it up against Melbourne Victory on a cricket pitch in preseason. <laughs> we'll leave it there and we'll come back with some awards for the week. All these. Right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Greenish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. I mean, we've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Do these people turn up to funerals or wakes in? Come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Alright, let's start with the con and the hurry. I'm getting Delph at the back of my shirt. Worst Twitter shirt <laughs> of the week. You need to shorten these category names. <laughs> I've got two nominations. Uh, one's an Anonymous United fan. Quote. <laughs> it's transfer related. If we went for Veghorst... <laughs> We'd actually be doing a good job, um, you know, of all the people that United have been linked with, and it is a lot. Uh, I hadn't seen that one. I hadn't seen anybody getting excited for that one. I don't know how that came across my timeline, but it did. And the only other one isn't isn't so much a Twitter shout of the week, but I did see it on Twitter, and I saw a lot of Chelsea fans getting defensive about it on Twitter. Was their full stand tifo, their big banner of Ted Bowley. I mean, oh my Christ, their first home game of the season and they're unfurling a big mural of Ted Bowley. This, this really this really hits the new heights of weirdness for Chelsea fans, doesn't it? Like, it's just... A, they, they've, they've been getting a lot of stick recently for their Chelsea, 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 Chelsea uh, chant. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, Ted Bowley, after two games in the full stand, <laughs> this is a new one. Is this some sort of slander that I don't get, the fact that you're calling him Ted Bowley? <laughs> it's a complete a complete mistake but it's actually very funny right? so we should all just carry on calling him Ted Bully <laughs> but like yeah it, it is fucking mental that they've done it but in my opinion if anybody anybody that manages to get 18 million pounds of real money for Timo Werner is definitely worth a tifo I mean, <laughs> if you if you can't get your fans to each hold up an image of one ten thousandth of your face after that fucking masterstroke, then what are you in it for, Conan? What are any of us in it for? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So maybe will we give Todd Bowley his due and to give him one cent of praise before I continue calling him Ted for the rest of the season? <laughs> that is very good. Just a shout out to Chelsea fans as well while we're on the subject. Did you hear their Kula Bally song? No. It goes, hey, Kulabali, ooh, ah, I want to know, oh, he's from Senegal. 
<laughs> wall to wall classics from the Chelsea stands. Uh, yeah, one to keep an eye on. If you spot anything else on Twitter or in the Chelsea stadium, uh, always let us know. I think we should we should be keeping an eye out for uh, Ted Bowley's project. The <laughs> the Sam Allardyce we are tactics him award. I don't know if you're going to like this, but I'm going to nominate Mikel Arteta to win this. You know, we've been watching Arsenal all or nothing. You know, we've already had a pop at him for the same material in Arsenal all or nothing. And you know, you know, I'm a very movable character and an emotional character and I can get invested in stuff and I can, I can get swayed by pointless platitudes and little, you know, just, 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 just somebody doing something that I think, oh, that, that looks good. Like, you know, like symbolism, I like a bit of symbolism as well. But here we are looking at Mikel Arteta and he's he's giving a, a team talk and he, he tells the team and they all go completely silent and everybody's you know, gripping on his every word. He's talking about a near-death experience that he once had and how he almost didn't make it and you know, how the doctor saved his life. That was before the Norwich game. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, if you're if you're reaching to near-death experiences before Norwich, like this, <laughs> you're going to need to get these up in different ways along the way. But he does get them up. He does get them up. He has them holding hands before Leicester. He's, he's on the whiteboard all the time. He's drawing love hearts on the whiteboard. He's drawing pictures of Arsenal fans on the whiteboard before the game. And and it works. <laughs> it works. Because even though he's on the whiteboard all the time, he seems to be concise on the whiteboard. And he does usually get this point. And the players are young and they are buying into it. And, and then they're able to take the piss out of him for the holding hands and stuff after the game. And... You know, he still has a lot to learn. Like I saw even like, you know, Edu was running around and they were commenting on Arteta finally talking to the players and stuff, you know, <laughs> after training and the canteen and stuff like that. And how he's relaxing a bit more. And they, they're very aware that he's young and still needs to mature and stuff like that. But I don't know, like I've I've rode back. I remember texting a few people saying, hey, you know, Arteta's a bit of a gimp, but uh, <laughs> it seems to work and nobody seemed to agree with me. And then I had to just pretend like I was rolling back from it. But but here I am now vocalizing the fact that I don't think I have completely rode back from Arteta, maybe being a good a good manager, getting inside people's heads. Got inside mine anyway. <laughs> I was just thinking there, you know, if, if that was happening to me, he's up there talking about his ne- near-death experience. I'd just be sitting staring into space thinking, kill me now. We've <laughs> <laughs> we got better players in Norwich. Let's just go out and play. <laughs> but, like, some people get away with this absolute bullshit that's just... This hackneyed sentimental nonsense. Brendan Rodgers, like he ran out of steam at the end with Liverpool, but but his career's been nothing other than an unqualified success. And that guy, you can make a pot of fondue out of every couple of sentences he speaks for fuck's sake. <laughs> the impossible can become the possible. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a change in a moment, even though now I've, I've really, the logic in me sort of moves back from all this and starts to think, I don't know how relevant this is, because especially a lot of our Tedis team talks are an hour before the game, before they go out for a warm-up and stuff. And even when you see big games and then players are going out and they're shaking hands, they're standing for songs sometimes, they're standing for uh, minute silences. Like It's a long way away for the game to start, and then it's a 90-minute game as well. Like, how... Mm. How much is your whiteboard really impacting like at that stage, you know? But I still, years later, remember a change room speech, and I still remember a ball bouncing off the roof and off the ground, and you know, just that statement of intent, like you know, it did. I do remember it, carrying it with me as we, as we went out. I don't know, maybe I'm a simpler creature than you. 
Yeah, but you're going out and you're playing. You're going straight into a club match. You know, they're you're like you said, they're going out for fucking a training session an hour before the game, and then they're standing up waiting for the anthems to be played, shaking hands, and the game's eventually kicking off and kicking off at a fucking snail's pace ordinarily. So I don't know how it works at all. But yeah, I would agree yeah. with the fact that maybe you're a similar creature. <laughs> <laughs> The cheekiest spin by my pals in the media of the week. <laughs> Award has to go to Monday Night Football. Uh, they did a traffic light system. They were talking about United transfers. Here you go, back to United. But um, they had two players in the green. They had seven players in the amber and everybody else that's been signed um, over the last whatever amount of years has been uh, just put into the red category, a write-off. So we'll go through the greens. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Bruno Fernandes um, have been in the green. The seven in the amber. Cristiano Ronaldo, Luke Shaw, Ander Herrera. <laughs> Going too fast here. Ander Herrera, Nemanja Matic, Fred, Edinson Cavani. And the reason I thought this was uh, fitting to be in the spin of the week award section, because he just tried to slip this one under the net. And you know Gary Neville likes to slip this guy uh. under the net. <laughs> Harry Maguire in the amber uh, section for uh, Manchester United. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, you'd, you'd really have to wonder at this stage if Neville, in his fucking vervent praise of Maguire, I mean, it's, sorry, it's not even like he's overrating him, he's just misunderstanding the sport. <laughs> and, I mean, Harry Maguire is shite and Neville insists he's class. Maybe it's the same as that politics horseshoe, you go so far right or left, you just meet at the back at totalitarianism and... <laughs> You go back to the horseshoe of whether or not players are good or bad and you end up at Harry Maguire. And it's funny because Harry Maguire plays like he has fucking horseshoes and his boots as well. But Neville's fucking praise, it's so on the nose. Like you'd wonder, is he going is he going for the kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse approach here? Like if he feels like he has to praise him, but he knows, he must know. Like he has to know that it, he's obviously just going for the he didn't just say he's England's most important player. There's no way he said that approach. He, if he, he can't slag him off because he's Man United's captain. Yeah. That has to be what's going on. It's too ridiculous at this stage. I think one of the mad things is that when when Neville said about the England's most important player thing was uh, that was before last season, right? <laughs> and that was already ridiculous because I think it's it's far too easy now you know, with recency bias and stuff. For a lot of people, they think that it's just been last season that Harry Maguire hasn't been good for United. And like the, the mad thing about that was that that was written off as a, a Euros hangover. And like we said before, like the, the longest hangover of all time spilled into this season as well. But um, yeah, like that was crazy when he was saying that back last season based on what he was doing the season before that and the season before that. Like it was a World Cup hangover then. But um, yeah, and it's just carried on. It's carried on. And um, like... He's obviously been bad. We've spoken about like, Maguire probably, probably, almost, not not probably, almost, I'd say, too much. Uh, now at this stage, it's just there's, there's room for a bit more. But mm-hmm. like, when we always sort of landed on the idea that like, he's, he's grand. Like, he, well, he used to be grand. And then now his confidence is shut. And he's gone from, he's gone from inoffensive to completely offensive. Like, he's, he was never, he was never that good a player. He was always just fine, good in air. And now he's just all over the radar, uh, shit in the pot. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was just trying to think about all our signings there. I, mean, I think the Daily Blend is absolutely being shot on there. I always thought he was really good. I mean, he had his limitations, but 
Remember, he was playing on a team that was challenging for the top four and winning the Europa League. I mean, he's a long way down a list of the problems back then. But it was that classic thing of he's been converted to a centre half, so he's shite. He's been converted, so we obviously need to upgrade him. He was always a much better centre half than he was a left back. And yeah. I really liked Ander Herrera as a, fo- as a footballer <laughs> up until the point he started accepting his role as man marking hazard. I lost a bit of respect from around then. <laughs> but does anything better sum up Man United than not renewing Herrera's contract the same month they did renew Phil Jones's contract? <laughs> I forgot about that. That's fucking grim. All right, we'll pause the United chat there. The questions we can't answer, but you want this to anyway. Um, <laughs> probably we can't answer these anyway. We've got some Twitter shouts. A uh, good one from Aaron. This is actually a nice format that we might be able to use or um, definitely mold in some way, but uh, start, bench, cut. Three players. Which one are you using? Um, Cucurella, Zaha, Gordon. <laughs> On the Chelsea team, really. I think this is pretty simple. I think we're starting Cucurella. We're benching... Oh, it's not actually that simple. Benching Gordon, maybe, and just cutting Zaha. It sounds like Aaron's up for forming a team for the sport that Anthony Gordon was playing last week. Who's the biggest cunt in the pitch? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, I suppose I'd cut Gordon's hair. <laughs> get, get Anthony Gordon on the bench press to improve his upper body strength to help him stay on his feet as well. <laughs> and I suppose I'd start a fight between Cucurella and Zaha by... <laughs> By pulling Kukurea's hair and uh, probably just tell Zaha that Kukurea is a referee or something. <laughs> These are the three people, probably the three most recent people who have come on to your radar uh, as cunts. Um, yeah. But I think you know, I think there's plenty of room for cunts on a team as long as you can keep them keep them in tramlines. <laughs> well, those three cunts also happen to be pretty good at football as well. So, you know, if any of them signed for Villa, they'd be our cunts. Yeah. Uh, one from Jake. He asked, Who would be your two dream signings for Villa? Uh, probably a shout out here for Diego Carlos, who come to Villa, played two games, and ruptured his Achilles. Like, talking mm. about, talk about bad luck. He's already just trying to learn English and stuff like that. And maybe he'll have more time to do stuff like that. But it's a. Uh, Jeez, it's a real shame. Like, um, you know, he, he hasn't obviously bonded with everybody as well as he's going to without being able to speak the language fully yet. And, um, ah, it's it's just awful. Like, he hasn't looked bad in any of the games. You know, he said he got turned on the byline for one of them there, but like he's, he's looked fine so far. I was excited to see more of him. A lot of money spent as well, so a lot of unluck unluckiness for the for the ownership model. <laughs> I don't know why I'm uh, saying that in that in that way, but um, yeah, a lot of money spent for somebody who's going to be out injured for the season is the point. So I wonder, uh, season when I see when I saw two dream signings and they could have could have been sort of unrealistic ones as well. And I was, I think we sort of spoken about Marcus Rashford before, and I thought, yeah, yeah, let's get him in there, let's give him a coach, see how he does, and uh, and then I thought, oh, here's one that Liam definitely won't like, and it shows you how quickly you can. You can change your mind on somebody when the prospect of them playing for you suddenly arises. Um, I saw somebody suggest John Stones recently, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, that makes so much sense. He's got a World Cup coming up. He's never going to leave Man City. Never going to let him go. Most importantly, yep, he's never going to start for Villa. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. <laughs> that would be absolutely ridiculous. That'd be us going down the fucking Tom Cleverley route again. Oh, he played for Man United. He must be fucking good. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. John Stones, no way. I'd watch Roller try and get Konza back to the level he is. I'm not signing fucking Tom Cleverley again. 
<laughs> I've been there. I don't like it. <laughs> Who do you have? For? Give, give me, give me one or two. Dream signings. Like I've never, I've never really been that expansive a dreamer. And <laughs> even, even if I'm flying, I'm flying to work or to my armchair to watch a villain match that they're not even winning in my wildest dreams. <laughs> and so you had a fucking dream the other night that I was slagging off your fantasy football. Team. <laughs> Look, me, me talking to you about fantasy football does appear to be in your top five fantasies, given how often you fucking tried to bring it up. <laughs> But I'm also going to assume that he knows that we need another midfielder and another forward, so he knows the ideal signings are Kante and Mbappe. (laughs) (laughs) But if we're going to be realistic, a dream dream signing, one of my dreams, a normal, realistic dream, who could we get? I was wondering, why has Tielemans not moved yet? Could Could he have fucked himself over if Arsenal don't pull the trigger on that? If, you know... Arteta decides, I like how things are going here. We've got this Vieira lad who we haven't played yet either. And maybe they just won't go for Tielemans. Tielemans is probably looking at United thinking, ah, do I really want to do that? <laughs> like, you know, how ambitious are our owners? That's the type of signing I really want them to make as well as just go in and bully the, the teams that are in and around us, like Man City did yeah. all those years ago, taking, you know, taking Milner, players of that ilk. Would you ask about Hudson Adoy, Pulisic, Loftus Cheek as well? Maybe like Loftus Cheek was brilliant against Spurs, and he probably played in about four positions as well. So I'd be very surprised if Tuchel's not going to be keeping him around this year. But you know, would you ask about him anyway? Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. When I saw him playing wing back, and I was like, oh, this is. And then you know, then Rich James comes into the centre half, and they have that dynamic with Cucurella at the other side. And I was like, oh, not any Loftus Cheek gives them so many options now. You add it with yeah. the other players and. Uh... Yeah, he was one that was on my radar. Hudson Adoy was an older woman. I realised how how young he was, but I, I like the. There you go, like... Connor, a winger who's been on your radar for about four years. <laughs> He's only twenty one. <laughs> he passes the test. Yeah, when they sign Anthony Gordon, let's take the better one or the, or the younger <laughs> one. But, um, yeah, the Tielemans one's good because, like, well, it, it could actually become more realistic as well if if Fafana leaves and after a while, if Madison leaves as well. Like, you know, there's, there's still fucking fifteen days left of this transfer window. Um, so yeah, it could be one of those ones where it's like, well, I ain't h- hanging around. This is happening, or you know, maybe it's more of a January next summer type of bit. But like, what a boring way to answer a dream scenario. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's keep our money for now, and we'll come back with a proper bid next summer when we're more ready for it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. Yeah, because you were talking about like Mbappe and stuff there as well. Well, there's a man who's who doesn't look too happy with PSG teammates, so maybe that does become more realistic. Every day. <laughs> The Villa social media account had a bit of a win there. Um, just the boys walking out to training, of course they were, like strolling out every one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> not even in a group this time. Um, but <laughs> they were asking the players to walk past, who's, who's your favourite all-time Premier League player? Four of them, Kanza, House, Archer, Bailey, all said Thierry Henry. Um, mm-hmm. you know, not disagreeing with that. Like, it's interesting that they, they all said him and... John McGinn came out. Henrik Larsson walks walks straight on. And uh, who do you think Ashley Youngs was? I haven't a fucking clue. Cristiano Ronaldo. Ashley Youngs was Ashley Young. <laughs> <laughs> and then a big shout out for Tim Tim Rugbinham who uh, said very quickly, Stephen Gerrard, and he gave a little wink to the camera. <laughs> there you go, Conan. Who needs a new side? We're not be signing a fucking midfielder now. Not, a, not a Tim Rigman knows what side his fucking bread is buttered on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's all we have time for. We're back on Saturday. 
Uh, Aston Villa are playing Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace look pretty good. So that's something we all have to look forward to. Um, <laughs> I think I said at the weekend, that that's a winnable game. And then I watched them play on Monday night. and thought, oh, yeah, it's probably not that winnable, actually. Um, <laughs> but sure, look, why, why you worry about it now? It's going to happen on Saturday anyway. So we'll just enjoy the next couple of days. And I hope you do too. Thanks a million for listening. And uh, if you do want to get in touch with us, just give us a shout on Twitter or Instagram. Um, or send us an email. No emails this week after the after the very short to the point email last week said settle a bet <laughs> full stop <laughs> never even got a thanks for it even though we did the work for them uh, but yeah get us on email as well thevillapodcast at gmail.com and apart from that have a great day have a good end of the week and we'll see you later all the best Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season grab kleenex and face allergies head on mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.